So we're doing something a little different this year. Um, uh, we are focusing our entire year on one theme, uh, and this is the theme, uh, God first. I have been under kind of really, um, I don't know, a lot of conviction lately, just this, this sense as I've been praying through. I, th- the whole holiday season, especially leading up to New Year's, is a time that, that I often get a little introspective, and you think about the year and you, you know, you ask, I was at the gym yesterday, right? And uh, I, I'm working out with a bunch of people and they're talking about New Year's resolutions. They're talking about New Year's resolutions. They're asking, you know, what, what are you gonna do to make this year better? And it's interesting because, you know, it's a time of year when, when everybody, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, people begin to ask questions about, you know, how, is, how have I been and, and, and where do I need to go? And as I was asking questions about that in my own life, I kept on having this, I don't know the word for it. Um, this, this word, these two words, God first for Jordan. And then I began praying about the church and, and where we need to go. And God first for the church kept on coming to my mind. Um, we never spent a whole year talking about one, about one thing and the implications of, of that one thing. But this is a heavy phrase, God first. And, and here, and here the, the illustration really <clears throat> clues us into a lot of the priorities, a lot of the things that are, that, are, that are packed into our lives, a lot of things that demand our attention, a lot of things that are pulling at us. And, <clears throat> and your life is made up of all of these different boxes, and, and all of them have things in it. And, and some of them are important, like work and, and, and family and, and church and God. And, and some of them are not, like entertainment and, and all of these other different things. And, and God, for so many of us, and for me, I'm beginning to feel this deep conviction is a part of one of those boxes, just one of those slots in my life. And I just feel like God is saying, I need more space. I need more space. And it isn't that those other things, that all of these things are bad or evil, or even like you should cut them out of your life. Some of them need to stay. My wife's not up there, but I know she wants to spouse. There she is. I think she wants to stay. She points at me and frowns, not that one. Some of them need to stay. Um, But those would be one of those boxes where maybe that needs to be moved into the God first category because if I'm putting God first, then my wife is in there too, isn't she? And our relationship is in there and how I treat her and all of those things, all of these things fall into it. So anyway, all this to say, that's the theme um, for this series and it's a big, long 365 <laughs> day series. And so it's gonna, it's gonna create two things in our lives. On the front end, it's gonna create, and I'm using the word exercise. You could say work, you could say discipline, but exercise because how many of you are going to the gym tomorrow morning? Oh, that is a pathetic group of people. It's called, what? No, it's not. It's 24 hours, man. You just take the little key fob and it, does, it makes a little beep noise and they open the door right up for you. It even sings to you as you walk through. It doesn't. Only when I walk through. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Called an alarm system. <laughs> yes, very good. Don't break into your gym. If it's open... Right. Anyway, you, you know what exercise is like. If you haven't exercised for, for three months or three years... And you decide, hey, January 1st is the day I'm going to lose that 10 pounds or I'm going to get fit or I'm going to get healthy or I'm going to be able to run in the Kalamazoo Marathon, which we're, we're, we're doing this year with the run club. January 2nd is going to hurt. 
right? Anybody at least attest to that, even if you're not planning? You've been, you know what that's like. There's Because you're using this muscle you haven't used in forever, and so it's like aching and pain. But if you, if you stick with it, if you put in a week and then two weeks and three weeks and a month, that pain dwindles and it goes away. It actually gets kind of weird, and you're like, man, I really hurt today. I must have done a good job, and you get excited about it. It's this weird switch in your brain that happens. The same thing that is true in our, in our spiritual lives. It's difficult to invest time in prayer. It's difficult to cut one of those boxes down so you expand the God box. Or to cut one of those boxes out so you can expand that God box even further. It will be difficult. It will have some aches and some pains and some groans. But if you stick with it for a week, for two weeks... For a month, you are going to become more invested in God, and God is going to do something that I believe is very important, and that is God will pour out His blessing. If my life is focused on God first, if God is the box that I'm dumping all of my time, in fact, if I take all of those other parts of my life, those boxes in my life, the, the, the entertainment, the career, the, the family, the, the hobbies, all this stuff, and I shove it underneath this one grand box, and I say, God, you are first and Lord of all that I do. How is God not going to take 2018 and make it your best year? Now hold on for a second. Hold on for a second. Because you might remember this weird little story in Acts chapter 5. In Acts chapter 5, Peter and John have been thrown in jail, been kicked around, been mocked, been beaten, been dragged in front of a a kangaroo court, as you might say. And, And they've been told, don't preach the name of Jesus anymore. They go through this great shameful ordeal. One of those things where as you're leaving the courthouse, you say, I'm calling a lawyer. I'm gonna sue these guys. And instead, we read this The apostles left the Sanhedrin, that's the court, rejoicing, rejoicing. What did I say? Rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering for the name of Jesus. That's heavy. I mean, you you think about how hardy a Christian you would have to be, how strong a believer you would have, the strength of character that it would take, that you left something where you were persecuted unjustly, and you said, God, thank you for that opportunity to suffer, because I would not reject your name. That's strength. That's strength that people generally don't know. Why? Because we aren't willing to go through the exercise that's going to take to produce the blessing that we want. And if you want the blessing, you have to put in the exercise, the faith. God first in 2018. I believe that this could be my best year. I believe it can be your best year. I believe it can be ODCC's best year. And I have no idea what I mean by that phrase. (laughs) I don't know what that means. A lot of times I've looked back on my best year and I've said, man, that year was rough. But God brought me further So don't presume as we talk about this word blessing, you know what that means. I don't know what that means. I do know that if I put God first, God will bless me and he will bless you and he will move ODCC further and he will move you further. So this is a year of struggle, a year of fighting, a year that's gonna take some bravery, but it is a year of victory, a year of glory, and I can't wait to see what God's gonna do in your life. I can't wait to see it. And so I was racking my brain as, as this God first thing kept coming to mind. You know, we're, we're working through the scriptures. I'm reading through the Bible with some of the guys that are here. And, and my mind kept on going back to the best book of the Bible. Your favorite book and mine. 
Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. You laugh because the word Deuteronomy uh, is, it's a Latin word of a Greek word of a Hebrew word all the way back. <laughs> it's kind of, but Deuteronomy means second law. And what's more exciting than hearing a law for a second time, right? <laughs> I love the book of Deuteronomy. I think it's amazing. I, I think it's fantastic. And uh, we're going to spend a long time in this book. And my goal is to draw out how God is pointing his people to see that if they put him first, the blessings will come. And I'm going to draw that forward into seeing how that's going to apply to our life. <clears throat> and I'm really excited about this. And so, so, you know, suspend your disbelief. Suspend your disbelief on whether or not you think Deuteronomy is the best book of the Bible, and we'll, and we'll begin to, to dive into it. So let's, let's set the story. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and turn to Deuteronomy, because we're going we're to look at it. Um, if you didn't bring a Bible, it's okay. There should be one in the pew in front of you, and it's page 145. This is the same, same version you've got right there. Grab it, pull it out, one, 145. Get used to finding it, because we'll be finding it for a long time. Now, before we get to Deuteronomy, which is the fifth book of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, right? That's the last book in the collection of books that we call the Torah, the law, the most critical and important books for the Jewish people. As Jesus comes on the scene much later, right? This is, Jesus shows up way, way back here. Um, but as Jesus shows up on the scene, these first five books are the most important books because they deliver to the people exactly what God is looking for. God doesn't want to be a mystery to you. He doesn't want you to be like, man, should I do this or shouldn't I do this? He wants us to be fully engaged with him, both spiritually but also practically. And so he lays out for us what it looks like to follow him. Deuteronomy is one of those books. But in order to get to Deuteronomy, the last book, you know, we've got four to get through. And so I want to touch on that story just to kind of give us a framework for what's happening. So the first thing in Genesis, so the first book, God comes to Abraham and says, I am going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to bless those who bless you, and then I'm going to bless you so much that the whole world was going to be blessed through you. And so as we move through the book of Genesis, we see God's story arc of blessing over Abraham and his children until we get to the end of the book of Genesis. So I'm skipping like 50 chapters, right? So you need to go home and read those if you're not familiar with them. But as we get to the end of the book of Genesis, God has indeed expanded Abraham's family so much so that you might call them a people group. It's a large group of people, enough to maybe fill a country, right? God has done this. But now they are in Egypt, And as we open into the next book, so after Genesis, Exodus, as we open into the book of Exodus, we see that the Egyptians are like, man, that's a lot of Jews. That's a lot of people. And they could just easily overtake us because there's so many of them and they're in the best part of the land. And so what are we going to do? We're going to enslave them. And so they enslave all of these people. God lets that happen for 400 years until finally he does something about it by sending Moses, right? Let my people go, he says to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh says, right? Not doing it. And so what does God do? God uses Moses to unleash his power 
on Egypt. And in 10 plagues, he decimates the greatest, most powerful imperial force in the world at that time. Just destroys them and leads the people into the wilderness. And you probably <coughs> probably know some of this story. He gives the law to them on Sinai. He leads them into the wilderness and brings them to this mountain range, the mountain range of Sinai. And from the mountain, he declares to them uh, the law, which is your, so we, we're out of Genesis, we're halfway through Exodus, so which is the rest of Exodus and num- Leviticus, and then, and then Numbers is kind of kind of lumped there together, although there's some storytelling that happens in there as well. So that's what's happening there. And you might even remember it because we get the Ten Commandments there, right? This men is a joke. I was, I was searching gifts on Ten Commandments, and this one came up. And it made me chuckle because it's super clever. A little sacrilegious, but still clever. Anyway, so we get to this whole scene where, where God has now delivered them the law. He's given them the Torah, how they're to live their lives. He's expanded them to where they're able to fill up the people. And remember that he promised to Abraham not just a people, but a land in which to live. And he brings the people to the very land of Canaan. They're at the gates of the nation, as it were, and they look in And they see people who are far stronger. They see fortified cities. They see tanks. They see all kinds of, not tanks, but you get like the point. They see people who are stronger than them. They're like, they've been wandering through the, they're ex-slaves who have now wandered through the wilderness. And God says, go take those tanks. You can do it. And they're like, with what? Rocks? Sticks? What? Maybe the power of God that decimated Egypt that they had just seen, but they, they, they lose their faith. And so they don't enter in. And so God causes them to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. This is where the book of Deuteronomy opens. This is where our story begins. For 40 years, they have wandered from place to place. They've set up camp for a time, and then they moved to somewhere else. And, and now that 40 years is over. And the generation that refused to enter, right, the generation that refused to enter has now sort of died off, and they've, become, they've, they've, they've passed away. And now we have a new generation And they are at the gates looking in at the tanks and the cities and the missiles and all of the strong people with the same amount of sticks and rocks as they had to begin with. And the question that's that's sitting with them is, what will you do? God wants you to enter in. What will you do? In fact, look at your Bibles there in verse 8 of Deuteronomy 1. He says this, See, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess that land That the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and to give to them and to their offspring forever. And so the question of Deuteronomy is is really sitting here with us like this. Will you enter in? And I think it's a really powerful story. So if you look at verse 1, let's look at verse 1 there. These are the words that Moses spoke to all Israel beyond the Jordan in the wilderness and the Arabah opposite Suf, between Paran and Tefel, Laban, Hazaroth, and Dizahab. It is 11 days' journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir to Kadesh, Bernia. Anyone asleep yet? Right? This is why Deuteronomy is not, is not everyone's favorite book, because we start off reading this, and you're like, I, what is, I don't know. And, and we, we sort of tune out. And that's because these are, these are all place names. 
And they're place names that, that you don't know. And, and, and you should, I understand that, and you should understand that. But if you go on to Google and you type in these things, man, they'll give you maps and pictures and all kinds of wonderful things. So I encourage you to do that. But let's put it in our own language. Let's put ourselves in those, in those Hebrew children's shoes who've been wandering for 40 years. Pretend that you had a dad who was offered a CEO, who's offered the job of, of being a CEO at Microsoft. I assume that that comes with a lot of money. I don't know, but it comes with a lot of money. And you as a child are like, Dad, take it, because it comes with the money and the house and the pool. Yes? And the jacuzzi. Some of you guys are forgetting what it's like to be 10. I said a pool. This comes with a pool. And jacuzzi and, and one of those sweaters that you wear as like decoration, but you don't actually put it on. It just kind of like hangs on you, right? Like it comes with all this stuff. And your dad says, nah, because that's a lot of responsibility. And I'm afraid I might blow it. And so instead, he sells shoes and takes you to North Dakota. The UP, like the place where they don't have Wi-Fi. Then he's like, hey, we got to go down to Kansas. I'm thinking of all the boring places. I don't know. Like, hopefully no one's from the UP or Kansas. But you're, you're, he's taking you to all these places, and you're like, man, this stinks. I could have been in a land of milk and honey. I could have been hanging out by the pool and with the, the sweater. I, you even wear those at the pool because they're that cool, right? They're so awesome. Dead of summer, we still got the sweaters on. Or like two pop collars, right? All the good stuff. So you've been hearing these stories. You've been living this out. And now it's your turn. You've been working hard, and you are offered the CEO position of Microsoft with the house and the pool? Come on, guys, it comes with the pool. You're killing me. Yes, thank you, Gwen. Somebody understands the joy of the pool or the hot tub, right? You're adults now, so the hot tub, that's better. And the sweater decorations, everything. What are you gonna do when you're offered that position? I'm not making my dad's mistakes. I'm gonna seize that. I'm going to grab that blessing, and I'm going to be excellent at it. You can imagine this, this, this place where these Israelites are at. They're, they're at this promised land. They're, this land they're looking into, and it's, and it's good, and it's beautiful. And God says, I'm going to take it, and you can go in and take it and possess it and enter it. And Moses says, okay, let's stop, because I need to preach for a little while. And you're all like, right? But you ever heard that, those who forget the past doomed to repeat it. And we see that. If you read the Bible carefully, you don't even have to read it carefully. You just, just read it a little bit. And you see this over and over and over again. They forget the Lord their God and they are punished because God removes his blessing and he says, you're on your own. They forget the Lord their God and they're punished. He removes the blessing from them and he says, you're on your own. And every time, it's disaster after disaster after disaster. So Moses says, listen, you can see, I mean, Moses, I don't know what Moses looked like other than he absolutely looked like that. <laughs> right? And he's like, he's this grizzled, at least I imagine, this is how I imagine it. You can imagine it differently if you want, but I imagine this grizzled old guy who stands up and he says, listen, I need to preach to you and all the young people are like, but you need to hear this because the voice of wisdom is speaking to you. And it is the voice that can save your life. We're not just talking about 2018. I'm talking about every year after. 
every year after, every moment after, to preserve your life because that is God's will for you, that you would have life and life to the full, life abundant. But you will never have life to the full unless this truth is alive in you. God first. God first. And so they need to stop and they need to listen to Moses because he has something to say to them. Where were we? There we were. Oh, and I, I have a cool, yes. I forgot I had this cool painting. I found this too. This is uh, on the Sistine Chapel. And this is Moses declaring this was painted in 1640. I'm not sure why this dude's naked. Everyone else has got clothes on. I don't, I don't know. But I was like, that's kind of cool. Like, that's mo- it's a bit of history for you guys, for whatever that's worth. Um, good. So that stuck with me. That's really stuck with me. So see the land I've set before you, verse 8. Let's look at that again. See the land I've set before you. Go in and take possession of it. And I, I really want to, again, I want to hammer this home so we can really catch a vision of what it is that God is trying to do. And so I wanted to do that with the best clip art that 1995 had to offer. Are you ready? So God has chosen a people. Right? The people of Israel. And he has given them the land. This is the land. And they're like here, right? Getting ready to go in. He's given them land. He's like, here's the people. Here's the land. Here's the Torah. Here's the law. Here's the five books that I've given you that will teach you how to live. That will show you how to put me first so that you can. Oh, man, that was anticlimactic. Let's do that. You got to do that again. That stunk. Here's the law so that you can learn how to live and shine forth my glory. All right? Yeah, 95 was good to us, right? Shine forth your glory. And you're saying to yourself, yes, that's, that's all wonderful, that's all good, Jordan, but I am not Jewish. What does this have to do with me? Well, the story hasn't changed that much. The same thing that God was after as he was developing the people and trying to put them in the land, the same story that we see in Deuteronomy is the same thing that is happening to you and me today. This is exactly what Jesus came to do. This is exactly what Jesus came to do. And let me show you. He also came to ransom people. Isn't that what we just did with this? Say, Jesus came, he he lived, he he suffered, he died, he rose from the dead, so that anyone now, so not not just the people who come from Abraham, but anyone who would call upon the name of the Lord would be saved. It doesn't matter where you're from or who you are or what your family line is. It doesn't matter what you've done. All that matters is will you call on Jesus. Even, as you can see, telemarketers can be saved. If you're a telemarketer, I'm totally joking. Just noticed that when I was looking at the clip art. And now he is not looking to fill just one little spot of the world. He's looking to fill the whole world with people who would declare his glory, share his name, calling all people to confess Jesus and to be saved. This is now expanding beyond just one people, now to all people, from one country (coughs) to every country. And now, Not just those five books, not just the books that God gave to Moses, but also the word of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, as well. So that we have the whole of Scripture, that we can now open up and say, well, God's not a mystery because he he explained to us exactly what we ought to look like and how we are to live our lives. So that, again, we could declare forth his glory. What God was doing in Deuteronomy is what God is doing today. It's just bigger. It's just bigger. 
And so as you read the Old Testament, so often we're thinking, man, this doesn't apply to me, or man, this isn't, you know, yes, these lands are not lands that you live in. These are cities that you haven't heard of, but the message, the message is still calling to us to follow God and to put God first. One of the differences, again, is we aren't looking to enter into just one territory, but rather we are looking to enter into the wilderness. The way Hebrews puts it, so this is us fast-forwarding and kind of bringing you into today. Hebrews 13 uh, tells us that we are to go outside the camp, just as Jesus did. For here we have no lasting city. There is no city here that we could call the city of God. No, instead, we, we are seeking the city that is to come, which might make it a little more difficult for us because if you can imagine being the Israelites back in Deuteronomy, they can see the promised land. They can see it with their eyes. They can even reach out and touch it with their hands. For us, the land that is to come is, is a little more murky. It's more difficult because it is the promise that is to come as, as, uh, as Scott was sharing. As Jesus said, I've gone to prepare a place for you. And if I went to prepare a place for you, I'm going to bring it back. It's so that you could be where I am. Like all of this is to give you a new heavens and a new earth. But all of that is far off for us. And so the question that might be on our minds is, well, how do we enter into that? And that's what we're going to be talking about over this next year. How do we enter into that? How do we put God first? And what does God bless us with as we begin to put him First, more and more frequently and in more and more areas. But for today, let me, let me give you five, five points that I think are very practical and will help us begin to enter into this land of promise, this, this life of promise, if you want to use that phrase, this life of promise that God has for us. First, it is to trust God. That's the hardest thing to do, isn't it? I say blessing. God's going to bless 2018. How many of you have something in mind already of what you hope that blessing will be? Right? Just rain the cash, right? I mean, just, we, we, have, we have in mind what we need. Maybe it's health. Maybe it's wealth. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's kids. I, I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, you already have in mind what you want that blessing to be. And I have horrible news for you. God just doesn't work like that. He is the God of the last minute rescue. We sang this line, uh, you'll never let me down. You'll never let me down. I promise you, God will never let you down. But he also won't do anything you expect. (laughs) So if you're expecting one thing, you've got in your mind, this is what blessing means, this is what God's gonna do for me, and he doesn't do that for you, you might feel let down. But the truth is that God had something else in mind for you. Something more powerful, something better, something greater, something you didn't anticipate or expect, which is why it is so important that we are walking with him day by day. Because if we're not walking with him day by day, there's no way you will catch what he's doing in your life. Because your eyes will be focused on what you want on what you perceive to be the blessing. And all of that takes an immense amount of trusting God, of having your faith in God. In fact, let me take it one step further. It's not just trust in God. It is allegiance to God. It is saying to God, you are my king. You are my Lord. You are the master. And I will follow you. Isn't it so interesting? I mean, one of the first stories that we have of Jesus as he's beginning his ministry 
he begins preaching. He's walking along the sea, and he sees a couple of fishermen, a couple of day laborers, and he says, follow me. Right? We focus so much on the fishers of men stuff, don't we? But we often forget Jesus is in charge. He's the one we're to be following. So you need to have your trust and your allegiance safely set in him if you are going to enter into the promises that he has for you. Then I draw you back to Hebrews. We just read this um, verse from verse 14. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Hebrews 15 says this. Through him, that is Jesus, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. Can I be transparent and confessional with you this morning? As we were going through, we were, you know, I'm at the gym and everyone's you know, talking about their, uh, uh, their New Year's resolutions, their goals or whatever. And they're going around. And as I hear, I, like, I was like, oh, I've got to say something. Everyone's saying something. I've got to say the first thing in my mind, the first thing that popped in my mind was God first. And I chickened out. I chickened out. I said something stupid, like lose weight. You know, I don't know. That's what everyone's saying. I just, it was the peer pressure of the moment. Like, I'm like, 35, 36? 35, right, okay. Like, what? I'm like 35 and already the peer pressure, like still the peer pressure's there, right? And I was, I'm thinking, God first, God first. And then I was like, you can't say that and room full of these people. And so, man, it's It's hard. It's hard. Um, and it's moments like that. I had, I had another, I did better the day before, but yesterday I blew it. Um, but it's moments like that where you're like, man, that was dumb. I should have stood up and I should have said something. It's moments like that where you realize, I'm going to do better next time. I won't make that mistake again. And I don't care if it doesn't make me look stupid or foolish. I don't care if it makes people roll their eyes or not want to talk to me. I will offer my sacrifice of praise because I am standing here physically today because God's grace has saved my life. From bitterness, from suicide, from anger, from the past, from grudges, God has saved me from so much. How dare I not declare his glory. And I tell you what, this is my New Year's resolution to all of you. I will not make that mistake again. The sacrifice of praise will be on my lips, no matter who is in the room. What about you? Through him, let us then offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of the lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good. Boy, that's so easy to say and so hard to do. Because if you are going to do good, it is going to interrupt your life. You're going to be about one thing, and you're going to see somebody in need, and you're going to have to stop the thing that was really, really very important. In fact, so important, you you would die without doing it, right? You have to lay that aside so that you can do the good. Do not... Neglect to do good and share. Share. What an important part of the Christian life. So simple, so easy. You think being Christian is so hard. No, it's not. It's, it's really simple, but it's also hard. God makes it all possible and all worthwhile. For such sacrifices we read here 
are pleasing to God. As we come to a conclusion this morning, take this with you. Take this with you. And make this 2018 the best year that you've ever had. As you begin thinking about, man, what am I going to do this year? What's it going to look like? You begin praying about, man, what, God, what do you want to do in my life? How can you put God first? How can these things become living realities? And if you need prayer, our elders are going to be down front. I'll be down front if you want to pray with me. We will be here to pray and to walk with you. The most important thing you can do this year is put God first. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. And all of God's people said, Let us stand as we sing praises to our God.